Welcome back to another episode of 12 Rows Back, where we bring you footy talk from the fans' perspective. Uh, huge round 21 uh, in the books. Two rounds to go. They're still jostling for spots in the top four, top eight. There's a real race for that eighth spot with uh, a team out west in real jeopardy of missing out if they don't get their act together with a derby this week. Surprise, surprise. That's scheduled for Sunday afternoon. Um, I'm here running solo this week. Uh, Tom is unavailable and I'm going to try and keep it short and sharp and try and cover all the uh, the usual 12 rows back uh, items in a nice concise manner but I won't have anyone to uh, to push back or, or sit on the fence or however you view it. Um, we obviously won't go too North Melbourne centric. I'm not worried about that because we had a pretty poor effort in the second half against Richmond. Um, kicked ourselves out of it a little bit early. Should have been ahead further and uh, couldn't quite get there. But that's all right. It's a footy podcast, as people keep telling me, not a North Melbourne slash St Kilda podcast. So I first just want to talk about the Taylor Walker situation, which broke last week and there was a bit of an investigation and then... He was handed a six-week suspension and a $20,000 fine. Plus, uh, I guess this isn't a penalty, but he's going to be forced to undertake some education courses uh, in racism. So he's... uh, I'm not going to repeat what he's allegedly said or anything like that. Um, We know it's pretty abhorrent sort of stuff. Um, And I sort of want to just sort of address it from a from a league-wide point of view. Um, I think the AFL went pretty soft on him. He had... He, as a former club captain, he should have had all the education in the world and knowledge in the world as to why that wasn't appropriate. Uh, he actually tweeted something about one of the fans who... Uh, obviously, Eddie Betts has copped a little bit of his career playing in Adelaide. Um and he actually stood up for Eddie and said the fans should be banned for life. He was very strong on that. And now here we are. Suddenly it's one of our own boys club. And he, he gets off relatively lightly when you factor in just how far we've come and how far we still have to go. And when Peter Everett said something along the same lines about 20 years ago, he got four weeks and $20,000. So now we're just adding an extra two-week tax um, to, to round it up to six weeks. So... I think he got off really lightly. I think his apology was pretty weak. He didn't front up and, and answer questions like his coach did, strangely enough. Um, he, he he had a pre-recorded video. They threw in a few takes of him being emotional to try and get across just how sad he was, but uh, he couldn't be asked questions or anything like that. And um, it was just... It, it was... They were trying to... I don't think they were trying to sweep it under the rug, but uh, they certainly tried to just get it out there um, and try and try and put the apology out there to try and put it to bed, not so much as actually address it properly. Um, so we had Robbie Young sitting there in the background, so, you know, full credit to him. How, how much... How, how, big of a person do you have to be to then sit there and say I'll help you with your apology um, I think that's one thing that any time this comes up you know Aboriginal people have to have to take the high ground and I bet you if they didn't we'd be complaining about it so um, I, I don't think I need to get into 
I think it needs to be explained why it was wrong or anything like that. I think we all know it. It's just another sign we need to keep doing better. Um, and I think the club could have been a lot stronger on this and just said, no, just go away for the rest of the year. Um, he's got a contract for next year, but we'll deal with that and I'd be trying to terminate him, get him out of there. It doesn't look like that will necessarily happen. Footy's bigger than everything, as we probably know. Um and they're going to stick by their man. He's an integral part of that club. And, you know, obviously captain and everything else. But the flip side of that is you're really ostracising your Indigenous community. And Eddie Betts, Ronnie Burns, Graham Johncock, to name a few, who've played a number of games there. They're just a handful of names off the top of my head. The biggest one's Andrew McLeod, two-time Northside medalist, 340 games for the club. How do you think some of these players are feeling when, oh, he's our captain, he's our leader, he's still a leader at that club, and then he he says this? It's it's maddening. I think I think the club could have stood up and, and really put it to bed. Um, they haven't. Who knows if it'll come back to hurt them or not in terms of, of the Indigenous players and the culture and that sort of thing there, but um, I really think it was their chance and the AFL's chance to take a stance and... They've gone very lightly. Uh, so, well, look, I guess you might have seen it coming. That's how they often operate with things like this, but um, not good enough from my point of view. Uh, moving on, I don't want to dwell on that. It's it's just uh, how people still think they can get away with it or say things like that in this day and age. Um, full credit to the, the staff member who reported it that that was against the grain. That's not something that would have happened 20 years ago. So we're getting in the right direction. But um, till this is just not even talked about as a thing that happens, we still need to keep working at it. Uh, so there's a few, few things floating around at the minute. I'm going to jump into the university grades next. But we've had a few tribunal hearings tonight uh, that just baffle the mind as to why these items are being actually sanctioned initially and then why we're at the tribunal and and I'll give you some of the arguments that just make next to no sense. Uh, Some news on a star giant who has, if you read all reports, signed a new contract. Not true, but I'll tell you what's happening there. Uh, There's a few retirements floating around. We're in that, that time of year, two games left. Really, if you're in the bottom half of the bottom 10, you're... You're really sort of looking to that holiday time, and it's—I'm going to coin this term—it's a trade season, trade period pre-season. So journos are starting to one up each other and starting to tell it, you know, oh yeah, you've called it. Look how good this is. Look how good this journo is, and starting to really talk themselves up. And there are just some ridiculous comments thrown out, and I've got a real one about my beloved North Melbourne that I just—I would baffled me hearing this. How how someone decided to write it like this, but it was. Just trying to sell some positivity. Um, so all that, we're going to try and keep it short and sharp. We won't. I won't be able to go off on a tangent as we often do. Uh, but I'm going to go through a few grades, some university grades. World famous segment. We didn't want to miss this for a week. Geelong and the Giants played on Friday night. Now this, this caught my eye because I was, I was watching the first half and thinking, yep, oh, the Cats will get going then got plenty of opportunity they're not scoring goals and half time three goals nine to seven four I thought okay it's down at uh, Kidinia Park 
they're still going to be able to find a way to get over the line. Not the case. Went down to the Giants by 19 points. Cats would have been outright first if they won that. Every team in the top four faltered except for the uh, the Demons, which, you know, they've sort of snuck back into top spot when everyone's starting to, everyone's starting to say that Melbourne are no good, they need to do this, they need to do that. They're still on top of the ladder, which takes some doing come round 21. Look, 8 goals 17 to 13 goals 6, you can almost sum it up a little bit with some goal kicking in that sense, but... At the end of the day, the Giants are playing for their final spot and the Cats were just playing another game in, in August, which the Cats are one of those clubs that know these games just don't matter. Win, loss or draw, they're not really going to impact too much. I'm pretty sure, and I haven't heard this, I don't know this officially, but the Cats time their run really well and they do a real heavy block of training through July, August. They often lose a game or two in those stretches but they've won so many in the back in the first half of the year dropping one on the back end isn't that big a deal and it's all to be cherry ripe for the September finals so not too concerned as a Cats fan but you just don't want to be losing period at this point of the year uh look the Giants all power to them they had they had a sort of a tough run home they've got Richmond this week which will be played at Marvel I think on Friday night they finish with Carlton, so they're two winnable games. The basic maths is you win those two, you're in the eight. You lose one of them, there's a chance you'll drop out. You lose to Richmond, there's a huge chance you'll miss out. Um, so winning winning footy is good footy. I guess the biggest negative is Toby Green copped a two-match two suspension for elbowing Dangerfield, I guess, in the throat area. Um I actually thought the incident was really interesting because if you looked at it from a different angle, Dangerfield tackled him high. And logic tells me if two players go... If there's a contest between two players, one has the ball and one doesn't, The you either have to get the initial contact or if it's both at the same time, it will be play on slash. The person with the ball should have priority for winning the ball. I get why it's been... I get why it's come up as a suspension and everything else, and Toby didn't seem too mad about it. Um, the issue here is we've seen this happen a few times this year. Bailey Fritch got off. Franklin straight almost just swung his arm around and elbowed someone in the head, copped one week and got off. Here we are with Toby Green. He's copped two weeks, and the appeal has got him two weeks down to one. So basic logic says... Similar incidents should have similar outcomes, but that's not how we're penalising. We're taking in factors for injury or potential to cause harm. We're looking at the individual doing the action. And if you look at what Joel Selwood did, uh, just as much chance to create some, just as much potential to cause injury. He's gotten off with a $3,000 fine. Let's not beat around the bush or pretend that it's not rules for some, rules for others. It just is. That's the way it is. Let's just call it call a spade a spade and move on. Um, I hope the Giants appeal this suspension from the tribunal and just get him off. A he's one of the few players you would pay every week to watch. Anything can happen when he gets it. He is so good, so damaging, and the game's better off having him playing. To playing for a final spot, it's eighth playing tenth. 
the winner of that will be ahead of the other on the ladder and suddenly is suspended for it. Funny how Richmond end up getting the the rough the uh, not the short straw but the long straw. Richmond get the benefit of the, the I, I don't know what you call. I was gonna say the benefit of the doubt. There's no doubt here. Richmond have just seemed to be advantaged by things like this, and they have been over the last five years. I don't think there's a conspiracy. It just somehow came up Richmond again, uh, and hope he gets off because you want you want that game decided by the best players. If they're injured, they're injured. But if they're being suspended for something no one else will get suspended for, that's just wrong. So in terms of grade, high distinction for the Giants beating the Cats at home. Always a tough ask. I'll give the Cats a fail. They didn't get completely embarrassed. If they kicked a little bit straighter, they would have won. But uh, not the ti- not the time of year you want to be dropping games. So... There you have it. I'm going to get no pushback. This is fantastic. Uh, We move on to Marvel Stadium. Gold Coast versus Carlton. Carlton with a very faint hope of making the eight. Well, that door is now closed. Uh, Officially, they cannot... Let me just double-check that. Oh, in theory, if everyone tripped up, they could. But no, they won't make the eight. Um, That's season done. Uh, Not a game you should be losing. Gold Coast in Melbourne... You know, Gold Coast have not looked great the last few weeks and, you know, almost a loss of words as to what to say about Carlton. They really bought into their win last week against the Saints and they should have bought into a lot from that, but it's like they've turned up this week going, well, we beat the Saints, they're travelling okay. Now we've come down, we've got the Suns, they're going no good, we're going to have an easy win here, boys, and, and, you know, we're going to win by five or six goals, everyone get a touch and we'll enjoy it. Well, that didn't happen. The Suns have come in in what's, I mean, it's probably their last winnable game, isn't it? Bombers, that Metricon, you'd expect the Bombers to win that um, with the sort of footy they were playing on the weekend, and then the Swans, you know, you're not going to go into either of those feeling confident. This was probably the last winnable one. They come down and won it. Um, it's not it, look. It's not a game that's going to have impact on the finals or positioning really at all. Tuke Miller keeps going on. He's starting to become the most talked about player of just about any team who's not in the finals race. Everyone says, "Oh, Tuke Miller, he's not underrated anymore." Everyone knows how good he is. Oh, but they they talk about it. You know, he's underrated. This thirty-four, two goals. Those sorts of games, that's Ablett-like numbers, you know, for, for the Suns. And Carlton, look, I don't know what it is with Carlton. They just need to get to the end of the year. They need a new coaching group, a new message. They need to change a lot. Um, sad news, Sam Doherty's had his testicular cancer come back, so he'll obviously miss some time and go and get some treatment, and hopefully everything comes up green for him over the course of the next 12 months. That's sad. Um, sad for anyone so thoughts and prayers out to the to the family there but Carlton just need get the season over with get back early for a big pre-season new coach new message um, there's a little bit there I mean Paddy Dow had a purple patch and everyone's talking him up and now he's had eight eight touches against the Suns you know there's no it's not it's not like you're going up against the dogs and there's possession winner after possession winner in a row and you're you know, 21 years old. Um, I think he might be off to Collingwood, I'm hearing. Uh, Harry Mackay just slotted one, but he's going to end up winning the Coleman, which is a pretty pretty good year. 
when you've only sort of won eight games for the year. Um, there's a lot to do for Carlton, I think. A lot of list turnover. They probably need to move out some of those older individuals. There's a couple of forwards there in McGovern and Casbolt who are giving them nothing through injury or form, just giving them nothing. So a lot to a lot to play out for Carlton. There's some good talent there, but there's a lot of fat they need to trim and, and get some new fresh blood in. I'm giving Carlton a fail, a Gold Coast a distinction. I don't think it was the worst loss ever for Carlton. I just think it was just... Gold Coast were due for one. They circled it on the game, and a lot of... Some of, some of these games between two teams that are relatively equal, if they play, depending on who they played the week before and travel and all that, it can flip the result one way or the other, and the Suns were just determined to win this one, uh, and well done to them. So... Uh, Fail for Carlton, distinction for Gold Coast. Off to the MCG, North's first game at the G since 2019, and we played Richmond. Should mention the other team. I won't. I won't go off too much of a tangent. Look, North dominated the first half. Richmond dominated the second half. North probably could have been a little bit further at half time, but we just looked like a team that ran out of legs and was shot in the last half. And Richmond, they've got good players. But they're at their best when things are just going their way and there are a lot of that 15 to 22 on that list. They know how to run downhill and just get cheap kicks and, and pile it on when things are going well. But when it's tough, they don't stand up. And that well, that's why they're getting found out this year and especially if they play a final, they'll get found out. But they got the job done. They kept themselves right within striking distance of the eight. Um there's a lot of undisciplined stuff from Richmond early and it's it's a bit like the ageing champion. They know, they feel they should be better than what they're producing and they're getting frustrated when they can't. Uh, there's a lot of positives for North too. Um, but look, we're just a young team. End of the year. You know, it's been a tough year. We've had a better second half but it's still been a tough year. Uh, Richmond have the Giants this week. And that'll be huge. North... We hadn't played Richmond until round 21. We play Sydney this week and haven't played them all year. So it'll be a, that'll be another good challenge. Uh, Richmond get a pass, North get a fail. North get a fail because they really didn't fire a shot in the second half. Um, although a trivia bus can help me here. When was the last time the reigning premiers lost the 18th on the ladder the following year? And I'm not talking 18th after round one where someone had a terrible performance. Like we're 18th after round 21. Uh, and we're not we're not getting off that bottom unless something drastic happens. So uh, I don't recall that ever happening in oh, in recent memory. Anyway, so very unlikely we actually ultimately would win that one. Uh, we move on to a very interesting game, which let's be honest, I didn't catch a whole lot of. Uh, there was a bronze medal game uh, in the Olympics between the Boomers. And who do we play? Oh, Slovenia with Luca. Uh, was that was that game Saturday night? Oh, I have to look this up. Um, I have to look that up to find out whether I was. I can't remember why I didn't watch this game because I didn't watch much of the showdown either. It wasn't a Saturday night for footy, I guess. Uh, yeah, no, it was. It was Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Boomers. Shout out on that bronze medal. Uh, St Kilda came with some not-so-trademark St Kilda pressure and managed to really squeeze the Swans. 
and ended up winning. Look, they won by 29 points, but they were in control for a lot of this game. 14-9 uh, to 10-4, so it was accurate kicking from both sides. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm very surprised Sydney dropped this because Sydney have been pretty consistent and pretty on to playing games against sort of the lesser lesser sides of the competition. So it struck. It took me as quite a surprise that Sydney dropped this one. They've got, yeah, as I just said, they play us this week. They play North this week, and they're going to bounce back and and keep themselves in a in a hunt for a home final. I think they're. Let's just have a look here at this ladder. I think they're out of. Yeah, so they have to they have to win both and percentage and Port lose both for them to get into the four. So they won't be in the top four, but they should get a home final play either. Well, whoever finishes 7th or 8th, very hard to predict right now. A lot comes back to some games this weekend and some some suspensions. But, look, the Saints, I can, I can say this freely because I don't have a, a St Kilda supporter giving me the ultimate positivity on the other end this time. Here you've come out, and people have been talking about Sydney as one of the fourth... A fifth or fourth or fifth team who's in line for the flag. They're sort of riding off Port and Brisbane a little bit and saying, no, the Swans are in better form. The Swans have got Buddy. You know, they've still got some some veteran leadership in the midfield in Parker and Kennedy. They're actually more threatening than, say, a team like Port that have really just beaten up on the bottom sides. To come out and just control the game, really start to finish, and beat Sydney relatively comprehensively, which doesn't happen at the best of times, just tells you how good their year could have been. Now, I reckon they're going to tell you they've had injuries. Well, so have everyone. St Kilda have had an issue applying themselves and knuckling down and focusing on the job at hand. And that's presented some pretty outlandish results, some pretty poor results, losing to Carlton last week. Like, think they lost to Carlton, who lost to the Suns, who have just lost to North. But then they've come out and beat Sydney. Like, you, you, I know you can't do a rock, paper, scissors sort of thing, but if you do, they beat Brisbane in the top eight. They've beaten Sydney. And then they sort of snuck over the line against Collingwood. It just, it baffles the mind, and they've been up and down. They've lost to Adelaide. Probably shouldn't have dropped that. It just baffles the mind how they can put up some performances like that and just go so far one way and so far the other. And like you're looking at it and going, well, they're, they're probably the teams outside of the A to be them or the Bombers who are going to fire the best shot in September, I reckon. Whether either, you know, whoever gets there gets there, but... If Richmond finish eighth, I don't give them much of a chance. If Frio finish eighth, Carlton, well, I don't think Carlton are out, but I don't think either of those teams are going to fire much of a shot. West Coast sitting seventh, I would think, would fire less of a shot than St Kilda in the finals. But we're probably not going to get to see the Saints in the finals. They're, although they're only half a game out, their percentage is, is woeful. Uh, and they play the Cats this week, who I think will want to bounce back. Not the greatest week to get the Cats on the back of a loss. So... I just, I'd be so frustrated as a Saints supporter. And here's what's going to happen. They're going to load up the positivity and they're going to really believe they're coming out and going to be pushing top four next year. There's no reason why they shouldn't be. But 
there's still there's still something missing on that list. I think the belief around Max King, as great as he is, he's going to need, I think, some more running partners. Yeah, you've got Membry who does a lot. They're just, it's very hard to quantify. So I'm not going to try and do it, Saints fan. I'm not going to try and put you through that. There's just something missing. Um, and Dan Hanbury taking a pay cut isn't the answer. That's uh, that's not the answer after three three years of probably eight or nine hundred in a front end deal. Reporting he's taken a pay cut probably won't do too much. Um, so, Secure getting a distinction for winning that. I don't want to give him a HD because, quite frankly, they've been so up and down. They're just not worthy of a HD. Sydney are getting a fail. They want to be sharp this week against North and, and really put us to bed early and get a, a real solid win. Um, nothing to do with North. Just get that win. You want to have some winning form coming into September and they should be able to do that. Our other game Saturday night was the showdown. Uh, Adelaide actually got a little bit of a jump on Port in the second quarter. Um Port didn't kick a goal in the second quarter. Adelaide kicked three goals three and jumped out to a handy 19-point lead. I don't think this was really much of a classic. 7-9 to 7-13 with Port winning by four points. Alir Alir won his first showdown medal. Jeez, uh, I'd love to know that what that was called off the top of my head. Why is something telling you it's the McGeary medal? Uh, I'll have to check that. But he was fantastic. Um, look... Here we are, we're grading Port Adelaide again. They've beaten the side in the bottom 10. They haven't beaten convincingly, which they've been doing. It's a rival, it's a big rivalry game, so Adelaide obviously get up for this and probably, well, they've got North in the last round, so that's a winnable game, but they're going to circle this one and go, right, we're going to go all out in this game and probably all out in the last round, and then that'll be it for us. Port... Port, Port, Port. They might be just a. They might be the. I think I said this last week. They're just about one of the worst top four sides since North in 07. Um, we were genuinely making up the numbers that year, and I think lost both finals by a total a aggregate total of 100. And, I'm going to say off the top of my head, 150 points could be 180. Did beat Hawthorne, Jesse Smith. What a final. Um, yeah, that like. At, at this stage, Melbourne will play Port in round in, in the qualifying final. I'd expect Melbourne to win that going away comfortably. Um, I don't know what it is about Port. I think they'll be looking for a new coach. In terms of a grade, that both teams get a pass. Adelaide take it up to Port, a top four side, only lose by less than a goal. Port, look, I'm not going to fail you. You've won. That's all you need to do. It doesn't matter how much you're winning these next few games by. You just need to keep winning, keep consolidating. Carlton this week probably won't beat the Dogs in the last round, but just win. You beat Carlton and no one can catch you. Um, Brisbane still, in theory, can catch you. Brisbane win out, you lose out. They'll probably get your percentage, but beat Carlton, Port, and you've got a top four spot, which at least gives you two finals, a chance to have a cider, and then lock in but of all the teams in the top six I'd have my biggest doubts about Port I don't think seven or eight can win it and of the top six Port huge question mark so I think it was a broken record we said that about Port every week beating a bottom eight side 
moving on, MCG, Sunday the 8th of August, Hawthorne took on Collingwood. Uh, great, great win for Hawthorne. It's not... I saw I saw my mate Dermy, good good friend of the show. Um, lose, haven't, haven't spoken to him in a while, but uh, if you're listening, Derm, uh, good to talk to you again. He said he was there was a part of him hoping that Hawthorne would lose this game, and it wasn't it wasn't a malicious thing. It was a look, we're better off sitting right down there, second last on the ladder, getting access to some better talent. By winning at Hawthorne, actually jumped up ahead of Collingwood, so they've gone from seventeenth to fifteenth. I see what he's saying, but that group needs to win and needs to keep winning for some belief. Um, I don't think giving Sam Mitchell pick two versus pick four is going to change his fortunes next year. Um, If anything, I I, I think now that it's been officially obviously announced in the last month or so, winning footy with the knowledge that Sam's taking over and he's obviously... presume in the background he's doing more and, and working more intimately with Clarko so that extended handover for next year will just be pushed through this year. A winning footy is good footy and any time you can win at the MCG, you take it. Uh, as far as Collingwood go, they're, look, they've got a caretaker. They're looking for a new coach. These sorts of games, you know, coming into it, it was 15th playing 17th. Coming into it, round twenty-one. Who, who like? We're not. I'm not reinventing the wheel here and saying no one's really paying too much attention. Last day of the Olympics, so I think you just want to win these games and give yourself something to believe in for next year. It gives you. It's, it's one thing. It's one thing Sam Mitchell's going to have to do, which he probably hasn't thought about. He's not just coaching. He's, you're not just coaching the team. You're running the club. And while he may not necessarily be doing all this management, doing all this, you're the face of the club, you and the captain. And you've got to sell belief in the off-season, especially when you've had such a poor year. So if you win the last three games or something, look at what Adelaide did at the end of last year. They didn't win a game for the first 11 or 12 weeks, and they've won three, lost three in their last six. And they all they bloody did was talk about it this year. And the reality was they hadn't had a win, and some of these teams had had a few but were finished for the year they weren't playing finals so Adelaide had a lot more to play for and were suddenly pushing and working harder and doing all this sort of stuff and they used it for some belief they beat Geelong in round one they've beaten Melbourne Adelaide they've only won six games so there's not too much to write home about again but they had some belief last year and that's what Hawthorne can get Collingwood needed it as well Um, although the coaching picture is not clear at Collingwood and I think as each day goes by they are probably more likely to move off uh, Rob Harvey, which I think you want a fresh voice and you don't want to look at the situation at Carlton. You don't want to be anything like that. So in terms of a grade, because that's ultimately what we're here to do, it's a pass for the Hawks. I'm not rating a... Beating a bottom four side, you cannot get a distinction. And it's a fail for Collingwood. Again, not many winnable games. That was one. Uh... They have... Who have they got this week? See, Collingwood play Brisbane. Hawthorne play the Dogs. Neither of them are winning that game. Maybe Hawthorne can get Richmond in the last round. And Collingwood will probably throw everything they have at Essendon in the last round. They could really spoil the party for the Bombers. Uh, but 
you know, this was probably the really, realistically, the last winnable game for the Pies. So that's a fail. Now, there are a few upsets, but this was the upset of the round for me. The Bombers played at Marvel. Their official home ground, or unofficial, depending on how you read their fixture this year. Haven't played as many there as they would have liked. Uh, and here's where I find this interesting. The Dogs got out to a lead early. So three goals, three to one goal, two a quarter time. Normally when there's upsets of this nature, the underdog gets a four, five goal lead early. But it was the second quarter, six goals to three, where the Bombers sort of blew it open. And, I mean, there's still only three points at half time. They just kept going. Four goals in the third, four goals in the fourth quarter to three to two goals and four. You're watching it, and you thought the dogs were just going to have too much class, the weighted numbers through the midfield. You just, as, as a neutral fan, and yes, I am, despite my uh, probably unhealthy uh, dislike for, for the Bombers, you just felt like the Bulldogs were going to have too much class and be able to get over the line. But every time the dogs started getting close, the Bombers had an answer. It probably started with... Uh, two meter Peter he's kicked seven goals straight and that is that's a sight to behold and that is why some of these key forwards you look at them and wonder why they're getting paid so much and why are they in and why are they that well when you kick seven goals straight and effectively win the game for your team you're worth your weight in gold now when some of these key forwards get traded if they're in form or haven't really been exposed they can command huge prices Tom Boyd from the Giants I think was was a first-round pick, and Ryan Griffin went out for Tom Boyd, so club captain, and he's come down and got a six-year, $7 million deal. This guy was traded for a fourth-round pick that was probably ultimately, I think, either not used or I bet you the Bombers weren't too keen on anyone. He's been a great value add. This game was clearly his best of his career. Uh, He's not always going to have seven straight, but... He's competed hard all year. When he hasn't necessarily kicked the goals, he's still given them a target. And structurally, that's really important. And it's going to be really important going forward. Hooker, whether he re-signs or not, I made that sound like it was his decision, whether he gets another contract or not, uh, he has been taking the number one forward this year. And that's important. It's really important. We've got Harrison Jones developing, I guess, Peter Wright, what do you think, he's 24? Yep, 24, 96, good year. Um, so he would affect, uh, like at the moment, if they take, uh, if you take Hooker out, he didn't play on the weekend, uh, two metre Peter's got to get your best forward. So Harrison Jones will get your second, I would say. Uh, I'm not a, not a Bombers expert. So I, I was just, I was surprised at the way they managed to do it and the fact that dogs couldn't come back. I'd be worried if I was a dogs fan. If this Essen and Ford line can stretch you, and no disrespect to them, they're not out-and-out stars. If the Dogs have to play the Cats in a final, which is looking increasingly likely in round one, you have Tom Hawkins. I'm pretty sure the Cats will have Jeremy Cameron back. I think they're just like, nah, finals. He's a finals player. Let's just wait for the finals. And you'll have Gary Rowan. That's a three-headed monster. They could throw in a Sava Radigalia and just go four-headed and go right. We've got we've got good ball users all through our midfield, off half back, half forward, 
let's just get the tall timber in and we'll exploit the matchups, put it to our advantage, and we can have a field day against this this defence. That's the way I'd be looking at it. Um, it's they're still a good side, the dogs, but um, again, you win that, you clear first on the ladder. Essendon outside the eight really should have won it. Uh, Essendon were just the better side on the day, and and that really it keeps the door open as far as them playing finals. They've got the Suns up there in Metricon this week, Essendon. You win that, and you are sitting. We're sitting at 10 and 11. So they're going to have to get in 11 and 11. Thankfully, they've got themselves a good percentage. So they're in... Look, it's it's certainly certainly possible. They've just got to focus and just keep winning. All these teams outside the eight, they just have to keep winning, keep winning, keep winning, and they're a chance. High distinction for the Bombers. Fail for the Dogs only because... Same as the Cats. Um... Winning or losing this game doesn't actually affect whether they're going to win or lose a final. So I'm not going to coordinate them or or panic stations or anything like that. Um, I just think there are more cracks in the dog side if if it was the key forwards taking advantage of it. Um, but HD for the Bombers beat the top side at their home, your home away from home or away home from home, whatever you want to call it, Bombers fans. You should just enjoy that win. Don't worry about. Uh, or anything else that is that's a signature win whether you play finals or not you can build off that next year over to the west Freo Brisbane Freo had a chance to get themselves in the eight they lost it's gonna be very tough from here they're gonna have to win and win and hope the Bombers get rolled and the Giants get rolled um, but if the Giants get rolled by Richmond hope Richmond also get rolled because their percentage is just woeful um so I don't think Freo are playing finals. Let's put it that way. Let's let's put that on the table. Uh, and th- this was their chance. They had to win this. They had to win out. So they were in a win out situation last week. They didn't do it. Six goals to two in the first quarter. Never really looked back from there. The Lions have ended up running out 64-point winners. It's a pretty, pretty big win. Pretty big win. So there's not... Look... Fife didn't play, that's that's huge for Freo, but you can't be relying on one player, and they, they're generally not. But if I sit here and go, that's the reason, well, that's a reason. You're certainly not good enough to be playing finals. So uh, disappointing sort of end for Freo, but they've I think they've locked up uh, Justin Longmuir for another... They've extended him, I think it'll be another couple of years. There's lots of promising signs there. They're just not ready to play finals this year. That's just the long and short of it. Uh, good win for Brisbane. This is sort of when you want to start building some form, uh, getting ready to play, unfortunately, what looks like to be a home final from fifth or sixth. Uh, but that is that's what happens. They, they're an inch away from going 0-3, and, and then you'd be really flirting with missing out in the finals to... If they had won the games, they should have in this back sort of last four or five weeks. They could be potentially in the top spot. So there's two sides of that coin, but they did what they had to do. Distinction for Brisbane. Uh, look, it's a fail for Freo. I'm not going to coordinate them on that performance because Brisbane are a generally good side, but it's season done for Freo. So I guess you can coordinate them. Like, it doesn't matter. You, yeah. Semester's over, Freo. Next two weeks, you're just turning up to to get your attendance marks. You're not getting any more than that, really. 
Uh, so it's a slate of games. We actually had a Monday night game, which was bizarre in the way it unfolded. Uh, West Coast, the Monday night, I'd call them specialists, but they haven't won one yet uh, this year, uh, hosted the so-so, I was going to call them red hot, maybe lukewarm demons. Uh, and look, the demons got the job done. They were well in control in the third quarter. Looked like they might start running away with the game. Lightning struck, like literally lightning well, I don't know what it struck, but it was very close. The game got called off, postponed for half an hour. Uh, I'm told if they didn't resume, the current scores would have stood as a result, which would have been fine. It was a five-goal lead to the Demons at the time. And I don't know what West Coast did in that interim sort of break, but they came out and kicked, kicked the next four goals or the last four goals of the game, and they only went down by nine points, and that means absolutely nothing. They lost again. Um, unfortunately for Eagles fans... They got to win this one against Freo, and they should just make it. But they're still vulnerable. They are ten and ten. They are an average side. They need to win out. They play Brisbane in the last round. You'd be taking Brisbane every day of the week to win that one. So they got to win out. The D's control their own fate. They play Adelaide this week. Should win. Then they play Geelong. I guess. You win both of those, you've got a home final, whether it's at the G or not. We don't know what's happening there. But winning footy is good footy. So if the Ds... Look, the Ds would want to keep winning, finish top. That's where they should have finished from their hot start. They've sort of faltered. The, they haven't faltered badly. They're still on top of the ladder. But um, I think just psychologically you want to go out winning... If you win the last two weeks, you've beaten Geelong twice this year, and that's going to give you a hell of a lot of confidence if you match up against them in September, which I think is almost an inevitability um, with those between the Melbourne, the Dogs, and the Cats. I think they're all going to play each other at least once. Um, obviously, one will play in the first round. The what looks like it'll be the second qualifying final. Uh, but then I think the losers will end up playing the other one in the prelim. So... Uh, if you've got two wins against Cats, no matter where you come up against them, you can sort of go, yep, look, we should be right. Pass for the Ds, fail for West Coast. Um, West Coast look like they need a real injection of youth and speed and some, and maybe even some fresh legs in that, that midfield. They just, they've got a lot of names in there, but the names aren't performing. It's very hard to drop names. I don't know how you... You're not necessarily going to release them or, or trade them, but uh, whether it's a real, it's a real tricky one. It's a real tricky one. I think it, they might just be falling off a cliff. West Coast, they might be halfway down that cliff. Um, it sort of feels that way. Uh, whether they can reload or not, I guess is going to be down to Adam Simpson and the coaching staff. But uh, uh, it's not. From where they started to where they are now, it's not been a great year for, for, for the Eagles. So there you have it. There's there's my grades. Uh, I really appreciate all the feedback we get on these grades. We have a lot of fun doing them. It's definitely our most uh, contentious segment because uh, we never get everyone's team right. There are some teams we get terribly on and, and other teams where uh, we don't grade them so well because there's just some loyalties in our hearts and that's the great thing about footy you can have the loyalties but you know at the end of the day everyone follows the team and and uh 
uh, and the loyalties actually they're what make footy great because without loyalty you don't have rivalry and and without rivalry you don't have some real heated contests and and ultimately some of those best grand finals have been bitter rivals um, over the last last I was going to say few years but 20, 30, 40 years so uh, there you have it please feedback always appreciated I'm going to echo the words of my co-host and if you're driving please pull over and send in a message send in your question I guarantee you I'll read yours out Uh, I haven't got any this week no one took the time it's locked down it's been busy it's fair enough I'm not in no way shape or form do we take offense at that uh i will have to start inventing questions and i'm happy to ask them because clearly i'm happy to talk because i'm here doing a what are we 45 minutes in podcast on my own uh so there'll be no rapid fire this week which is finally probably the only way we're ever going to have a rapid version of that segment uh a few other little things to cover josh kelly's taken up his option uh he was linked with he was linked heavily with North a few years ago and then signed this deal which gave him a it was a one year and then the option to extend for six years, eight million. And he was still linked to North because obviously his old man played there. Um he'd been linked a little bit to the bombers recently. I'd heard that one floating around, but he's knocked it back. Uh we always talk about it in, in the AFL world, you gotta pay overs to get someone to come to your club. Ain't no one paying overs on that deal. That is huge money for, albeit a very good midfielder, a star. I'm like I'm disappointed North missed out on him, but you couldn't pay overs on a deal like that because it's already paying him overs. Um, so I don't know if he because they they extended the deadline. I don't know if he just wanted to really think about it for a few weeks or, or what. But um, look, good on him. That sort of stuff is what helps build a club like the Giants who don't have a soul or don't have history. They're starting to really get a bit of a soul. Uh, he's locked in. Whitfield's locked in. Cornelio's locked in. Uh, Phil Davis has gone there. I don't think he'll be going anywhere. So they've got what the Gold Coast haven't, which is stars who have stayed um, and performed. And, you know, they've played in a prelim, grand final, semi final. I'm talking they've lost these games. Uh, and now they're still in the hunt for the eight. So if they can just keep some of these players, don't have a Jezza Cameron leave. Um, you know, it hasn't worked out for Hawthorne, but Scully and Patton leaving, all those sorts of things hurt. Um, Sa- I was going to say Sard. Zach Williams leaving. You know, if they could all buy in, when they, they sorry, they did buy in and they played in the grand final and then they had some injuries and a bit of bad luck and whatever. If they could all buy in and stay there for an extended four or five-year period, I've got no doubt they would have been back close to a grand final, you know, in a year like this, so... Ultimately, good for footy to see him stay. Uh, and and just the one thing the media are reporting, he's signed a new deal or he signed a big deal. He's always had the deal. He's just opted into the big deal he signed a year ago. But it's much sexier to say, oh, he signed a new deal. Look at this. Details of the deal. The deal that was private. You got real intimate details of that that was already told to us 12 months. Like it just, it's not as big a story as what it's made out to be. Because he had a deal on the table for big money and he decided to keep it. Ultimately, that's all it is. Uh, speaking of our, uh, those journos, uh, I mentioned off the top, it is trade period pre-season. Now, it's now the time when journos are going back to outlandish comments they've made that have happened to come true. Uh, I'm no stranger to outlandish comments. Obviously, um, 
Oh, I've still got... Well, I've got, I've got 21 days at the time of recording this for Goodwin to get sacked. Uh, I think that one's that one's sailed. I'm, I'm still happy to ride out that that sailed, although straight sets finals loss, who knows? I declared last year the grand final was going to be at Perth. Looks like I was a year too early on that. I reckon that's going to happen this year. Uh, so everyone does it. I'm doing it with less education. I don't really speak to anyone at Clubland. I'm a fan, first and foremost. Um, I probably know all of four people at Clubland off the top of my head who, and I can assure you none of them I sit down and, and contact on any sort of regular basis about what's happening at their clubs. So having said that, all these journos who allegedly do, still, they report a hell of a lot of things that don't come true or don't come to fruition. So they go back and find all the ones they didn't, that uh, they didn't get wrong. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you said this six months ago and blah, 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 blah. And they're now trying to one-up each other. We're in this boring, when I say boring, we've got, we've got nine games a weekend. It's cracking footy. But we don't have... We don't have the stakes for a lot of these games. Like Hawthorne Collingwood, what's at stake? Absolutely nothing. Richmond North, what's at stake? Not a lot. Spot in the finals for Richmond, but not too much else. Gold Coast Carlton, what's at stake? Absolutely nothing. Uh, what other games you got? Like even Port versus Adelaide, not really much at stake. Port just solidifying their top in the spot four. It, spot, spot in the top four. Look at next week. Uh, some similar games. Port Carlton, not too much going on there. Melbourne Adelaide, not too much going on there. Sydney North, not too much going on there. Brisbane Collingwood, same thing. Round 23, uh, Adelaide North. Like, what's what's Frio St Kilda? Uh, yeah, mm, Richmond Hawthorne, maybe nothing going on there. My point is... While we have games and stuff to talk about, there's no fallout from those games. So we're actually starting to try and got to hype up some other things to get people talking, and that is trade pre-season. So they're doing a pre-season for the trade period. I heard North Melbourne, and I'm not, I'm not putting my allegiances into this. This is completely. These are two factual things that have come out of these people's mouth. Kane Corns declared North Melbourne possibly the worst team of the modern era. He also declared Adelaide the worst Adelaide side of he'd seen in the AFL for thir- for their thirty years in the comp. Um, so he made those declarations. Um, the North Melbourne one, particularly, obviously stung at the time, but you know you remember it. So we might be the worst side ever. Uh, Johnny Ralph has written an article saying how North Melbourne might be the best wooden spoon side of this century. It just baffles me to show we've had a six, seven weeks of, of good form. But when I say good form, good for a team that hasn't won a game. We haven't won every week and we haven't really put any sides away convincingly. We're now the best wooden spoon team of the of this century. Come on. Like, just temper your expectations, bring it back to earth and go, yep, they've had a good run. They're 18th had a terrible start they've shown they've got some pieces there to build on and they've shown they're starting to play the right way don't look, we don't need these outlandish comments they're going to get worse think about what's happening over at Carlton Teague we know he's going to he's going to get moved on whether they tell him now or wait two weeks or 
whatever. He's going to get moved on, and then they're going to start coming and going, how Alistair, Kane Corns, Nathan Buckley's the right man for the job, but he was a terrible fit for Collingwood. I don't quite understand it. His list management probably wasn't great at Collingwood. How much of it did he handle? There's so many questions there that you just cannot answer from the outside looking in. I guess my ultimate point here is don't get too slipped up in what these journos and media people are writing, like SEN. Um, the, the journos, a lot of the stories are now this journo said this and now this other journo says this in response to original journo. It's a footy classified thing, to be perfectly honest. You know, Lloydie's going at Caro. Caro's accusing Lloydie of being biased towards Essendon and he shoots back and goes, well, what about you and Richmond? You couldn't blame Lloydie if he was biased towards Essendon because he spent the best part of his life there and didn't just, he wasn't just working in the, you know, he wasn't just a club doctor for 20 years. <laughs> he was club captain, integral part. He, he, he may be biased indirectly or directly, but to sit there and start accusing him of it is all for show and it's all just to promote themselves. And then he goes back at her, who's been probably biased towards Richmond, we know that. It's all just dead air. So, listeners, do yourselves a favour. Switch off from some of the footy media for the next few weeks. If your team's in the finals, just follow your team through. Once the finals hit, then we start talking serious footy stuff because the stakes are back on. The issue right now is there's, no, there's not much at stake. There's a little bit of ladder positioning, a little bit of a couple of final spots. But ultimately, a lot of these games are just dead rubbers. We're playing because we've got to get the nine contractually obligated games out, you know, to make our money. And there's not too much else happening in some of these. So don't stress footy fans. Things will be happening. Just We just need to get through the next two weeks and then this great pre-finals buy that everyone hates, Gil. Before I finish up, I'm going to actually get this out under the hour. I'm very happy with myself there. Uh, it's just a few retirements. It's worthwhile sending a little shout-out to uh, Tommy Rockliffe, captain of Brisbane, went to Port. At one stage, he was the super coach stud. No one seemed to really be all over. I think he double-tonned once or twice. Uh, he just hasn't been able to get on the park. Injuries really cold him. I think he's having issues with blood clots. Um well done on a fantastic career, 200 league games. That's a that's a terrific milestone. Um, he'll be remembered as as he's a feisty feisty bugger, but he'll be remembered as a as a damn good footballer. Stephen Hill, uh, Fremantle brother of Brad. He he's again he's been culled by injury. Hamstrings are just cooked. It seems uh, none probably no greater moment than in 2013 when he just sailed down from just past half back against the Cats down in Geelong and a few running bounces and just jagged the goal that... Look, the game, if you look at it, they are up nine points with a minute and a half to go. You'd think they would have won, but this goal put them up 15 and just said, yep, we're going to a prelim in, in what was a year where they made the grand final, got oh so close. Well done on an outstanding career. And last but not least, I've loved, uh, loved having a little shot at him uh, over the years, but... With all respect, Mark Murphy, I think I think it'll be his last game this week, but he, he played number 300. Uh, out and out superstar of that club. I guess superstar can get bandied around a little bit. 
when you play 300 games, you've got to be a pretty good footballer. Um, your captain, your club, he is... Look, he stayed... He stayed at Carlton through thick and thin, and a lot of it's been thin. Uh, well done on an outstanding career, Mark, and and good luck in the next step. That is all I have time for. I uh, I could probably talk. I've done an hour myself, so I could probably have talked for two, two and a half if Tom was here. So whether you needed to hear that or not, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back in due course. Uh, good luck to your team if you're playing for a final spot or if you're playing for a draft pick, whichever way you need it to go. I hope the footy gods smile down upon you. Uh, we've got some ripping games this week. Giants, Tigers will decide a spot in the eight, I feel. Uh, and we are literally, we're so close. We've got literally in two and a half weeks, we will be talking about finals footy. And that is, that's what we've done these 23 weeks. That's what we've tried to get through get through these 23 weeks get through to some finals uh so in the meantime stay safe if you're in lockdown and you most likely are given the way this country's run stay safe stay healthy and good luck to your team this weekend